On this All Saints Sunday, the Old Testament reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 33, beginning the first verse. This is the blessing that Moses, the man of God, pronounced on the Israelites before his death. He said, The Lord came from Sinai and and dawned over them from Seir. He shone forth from Mount Paran. He came with myriads of holy ones from the south and his mountain slopes. Surely it is you who love the people. All the holy ones are in your hand. At your feet they all bow down, and from you receive instruction. Here ends the Old Testament. The epistle reading is our clearest picture of the saints in heaven. From Revelation chapter 7, beginning verse 9. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they, and where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will, lead the, he will lead them to the springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Here ends the epistle. The Holy Gospel is recorded in St. Matthew chapter 5, beginning the first verse. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Here ends the Holy Gospel. Okay, all the little saints can come forward. If any of you are chuckling, you're probably thinking of an earthly definition. I myself am a grandpa, and I know grandkids. 
and I know all the fun they can get into. My mother would say that when I was a kid, I only looked saintly when I was asleep in bed. The word saint is not referring to dead people, although it can. The word saint simply means holy person without any sin at all. Um, Based on you yourself, how many saints are there? Just you yourself. Well, to help us understand this, Oh, thank you for giving the correct answer by not putting your hand up. Mike is going to help us this morning. By nature, every single one of us would be totally this. We are born in sin. We continue this way all the way through life. And there's no way that we ourselves, based on our life, could possibly get into heaven because we are sinful from beginning to end. But you notice the acolyte's not wearing this. He has this surplus over the top. The color white stands for perfection, sinlessness. This came at baptism. And it continues every single day. Micah has a cross, which reminds us of how it came. Jesus' death on the cross takes away all sin. He's also the one who is perfect for you. And this white covers over the black. This means that you're two things at once. Each of us is a sinful human being, but the important part that God sees is the white that you receive from Jesus himself. And as you trust in Jesus as the one who has been perfect for you and paid the price of your sins at the cross, therefore, what are you by faith in Jesus? You're all saints. Now I can ask the question again, by faith in Christ Jesus, how many of you are saints? Okay, take note of those that didn't raise their hand. I must talk to them later. Okay, Micah, thank you. And go back again. Sanctify them by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Our text for this morning is the Beatitudes, so-called, from Matthew chapter 5. This section of Matthew is the most well-known but least understood. For example, you can find sermons this morning that will say terrible things like, Oh, the Beatitudes, that's how you are to be. But for what purpose? Or could you really do this in and of yourself? The Beatitudes are not easy. Without faith in Christ, they are impossible. But it's not really talking about something you're supposed to be doing or something you're supposed to be. No amount of legalism and laws and threats 
can ever make you or force you into being a saint. You don't get scared into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Rather, we have Jesus here on a mountainside, a little bit like Moses on Mount in the Old Testament. He's not giving law, but he's giving the good news of forgiveness. All these terms for blessed goes back to an Old Testament concept. Blessedness, Baruch, has nothing to do with what we are or what we can do. It has nothing to do with our being or our supposed holiness in and of ourselves. You are Baruch, a gracious blessing from God, which is gained by Christ. But now this term, as it's used by Jesus, is referring to a kind of life that happens to us. It's the fruit of what Christ has done for us, even in eternal life itself. Blessed. Blessed are who? He talks about the absolute, poor, destitute as being blessed. But notice destitute in a spiritual way. The beginning of God's blessings for every saint is that you know in your heart of hearts that you are, as we saw with the acolyte, the black. We're all sinful human beings from cradle to grave. We are spiritually poor, destitute, hopeless. Martin Luther reminds us that that's the beginning of the new life. As he said in thesis number one, all of Christian life is repentance. It's good to know how hopeless you are. Only hope we have is Christ because by him we gain the kingdom of heaven, first guaranteed for us in baptism itself. Blessed are those who mourn. We're going to be mourning a little bit today. I'm sure that with some of these names that are read off and we'll hear the tolling of the bells, it'll be hard at times to hold back the tears and the emotions. That can happen so quickly. With the Martin family, within the past hour, they lost a dear family member. Within the past hour. So although their name is not read when we ring the bells, they're going to be in mourning. But we do not sorrow, as St. Paul says, like others who have no hope, since we believe that Jesus died and was raised again and is at the right hand of God the Father. We will mourn the loss. We will mourn about our own sins. But we have this comfort term for Greek in comfort is where we get the word paraclete, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, who's always pointing us to Christ Jesus. Because death is not the end, death is the beginning of new life. We have comfort that way. The next blessed doesn't make any sense according to American ways of thinking. Blessed are the meek, 
The Greek term really means what we would call being a doormat, having no standing, people have no respect for you, you are a nothing, you are a nobody, people can look just right past you. Why would anybody think that that's blessedness? Except when you remember that from Isaiah, Jesus is said to be the most meek of all. Isaiah 55 describes his sorrow and his nothingness as he suffers for the sins of the world. And what do we inherit? Please don't think it's this world. No one should want to inherit this world. The form of this world is passing away, says Scripture. It's destined for total destruction and an end. It says, the earth. Grammatically speaking, the way they were talking in those days, this is referring to the new heavens and new earth, the new creation where everything is righteous and good and wondrous. That's what we will inherit by faith in Christ. And now, the blessedness of hunger and thirst. But notice it's for real righteousness. We hunger for that every day when we wake up and feel our old sinful nature, when we know and understand what we should not have said or done, at the end of the day when we review this day of sin. We have no righteousness of our own, but Jesus fulfills it fully and completely, his perfection and his payment for our sins, and they will be cortazzo, that Greek word means you're so full, it's much like on Thanksgiving Day when you've finished off a good part of the turkey and everything else, and you may be tempted like one character on television to unhitch your belt a little bit so that you can breathe. That's this term, cortazzo, completely and ultimately overflowingly filled, and you have that right now by faith in Christ. We are sinners, yes, but overwhelmingly forgiven and given the perfection of Christ himself. Blessed are the merciful. The only reason that anybody is ever truly merciful to anyone else in need is if you first have a full recognition of how overflowingly Jesus is merciful to each of us. This mercy is not merely feeling bad for people. It's not just throwing a dollar or a quarter for some guy on the roadside. Real mercy comes deep from the heart, and it's patterned after the deep mercy of Jesus, which he has toward us all the time. They will be shown mercy. That means in heaven itself, because heaven is not a place where we can take credit for anything especially for having gotten there. It's by God's mercy that we enter into eternal life with Christ. Have you ever seen God? In the Old Testament, we're told that, Jesus, that God himself says to Israel, no one can see me and live. Yet when Jesus was asked once by one of his disciples, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough. That Jesus said, have you been with me so 
long that you do not understand? Quote, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. To see God means that you will be pure in heart only because of the cross that you trust in from cradle to grave. And what about this peacemaker? We're not talking about the president taking a jet over to Japan and China and Vietnam. We're not talking about earthly peacemakers. By the way, that kind of peacemaking seldom lasts very long. This means peace with God. As Paul says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When you, <coughs> when you share the good news of Christ with anyone around you, especially in terms of actually forgiving someone, you are sharing this peace that surpasses understanding, and they have peace with Christ, therefore peace with God. But that doesn't mean that our blessedness means that we will be always happy and healthy. Things will not always go well for us. In fact, for every Christian, Satan has painted a big target on us. He is the one he's going to trouble and harass all through our life because of our faith. That's why our Lord says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. You will if you make your faith known, suffer all kinds of foul language, disgusting comments, people making fun of you, and that sort of thing is growing in this age that we live in. But Christ says, you are blessed. The final two verses notice switch, blessed are you, specifically. And it has to do with two things. First, that persecution. You should be happy when that happens to you because you are really being a true witness of Jesus Christ. Just like the saints, the old martyrs, who died by the tens of thousands in the first 300 years of Christianity, that you're accounted to go through things patiently and lovingly and forgivingly when things happen to you that are simply not right. Rejoice and be glad. I can't put those two terms into English very well, but basically, it's like if, not if, I'm sorry, it's when Michigan State last night, at the last second, kicked that three-pointer through the goalposts, and the crowd exploded. Did you see that? Oh, come on. Are you all Michigan people? Rejoice and be glad. This is a kind of bouncing off the wall happiness because great is your, this says reward. This reward is not something that you've gained or earned. It's like the parable of the man who goes out to get people to work in his vineyard. Only the first people at the first hour get a reward. They get their wage. All of the rest of them at the third, the ninth, all these other hours, even an hour before, the end of the day, who hardly work anything at all, who are considered the dregs of employment, they get to work in the vineyard. We get to work in the vineyard 
And what God gives us is not a reward or a wage, but it is the most gracious gift. You have the great blessing of serving in Christ's kingdom. Notice, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Today we remember not only the saints who did go before us, but now we are called to follow in their footsteps. I pray that there are people in our remembrance this day that you knew and can tell stories about with regard to their faith and their trust in Christ Jesus, even in the face of death itself, that you may follow, follow joyfully in those same footsteps into eternal life. Amen. And the peace of God that passes understanding will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.